DiscerningHearts.com and the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study presents Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon Doran, along with her husband Steve, are founders of the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study, whose mission is to actively seek truth and raise up disciples for our Lord Jesus Christ through an in-depth Catholic Bible study. Sharon, who holds two master's degrees in education and in pastoral theology with an emphasis in sacred scripture, is an experienced Bible study teacher for over a decade. She has a passion for scripture that motivates and challenges her students to immerse themselves in God's Word and apply His message to their everyday lives. We now begin the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study with Sharon Doran. Who do you say that I am? This is a question that each and every one of us must answer for ourselves. St. Peter was the first of the apostles to answer the question, Who do you say that I am? It was not his own knowledge, but the Father who had revealed this profound truth to Peter. Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God who had come into the world, and Peter knew it by the Father and declared it with boldness. Jesus then knew to pronounce Peter as the rock, the rock on which he would build his church. Was Peter perfect from then on? A resounding no gives each of us a real person who we can relate to. Who can't relate with Peter? While he wanted to badly know and serve the Lord, he also failed many times. But he was a man of repentance, and oh, how the Lord loves a repentant heart. St. Ambrose said it so well. In the church, there are water and tears, the water of baptism and the tears of repentance. Peter knows well the tears of repentance, and the Lord will love him even more for it. The Catholic Catechism tells us at paragraph 153, When St. Peter confessed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus declared to him that this revelation did not come from flesh and blood, but from my Father who is in heaven. Faith is a gift of God, a supernatural virtue infused by him. Before this faith can be exercised, man must have the grace of God to move and assist him. He must have the interior helps of the Holy Spirit who moves the heart and converts it to God who opens the eyes of the mind and makes it easy for all to accept and believe the truth. As we continue to accept and believe the truth revealed to us in God's Word, let us now join Sharon Doran in the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study Series for Part 1 of Peter's Profession of Faith. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to our lecture portion of the evening. Tonight we're discussing Peter's Profession of Faith. All three of the Synoptic Gospels record this account. Matthew 14, we're going to take it mostly from Matthew. We have to see what is happening beforehand because we need to know in context. If you remember, John the Baptist has been killed by King Herod as a dinner party favor. Jesus has fed 5,000, mostly Jews here in this story in Matthew 14. Jesus has also walked on the water. And we didn't study this story, but they think it's a ghost. And he's coming. He's walking out on the water. And who, which of the apostles is the one that wants to get out of the boat? I want to get out of the boat. Yeah, Peter, Peter. Peter wants to get out of the boat. He says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and started walking on the water, and he came towards Jesus. But then he noticed a strong wind, and he became frightened, and he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. What happens when he takes his eyes off Jesus? 
he sinks. <laughs> Jesus immediately reaches out and caught him and said, you have little faith, why did you doubt? So what happens to us when we take our eyes off Jesus? We sink. Jesus also heals the sick in this chapter in Genesaret that's in the Galilee region, the Jews. Then they go to the other side, the other side of the lake in Matthew 15. And we see a Canaanite woman's faith in the district of Tyre and Sidon. They don't like Tyre. They don't like Sidon. But her daughter has a demon, and she comes begging Jesus to heal her. So Jesus will cure many people there, not just Jews, but Gentiles, pagans also. And he will feed 4,000, not just Jews, but hungry pagans. The Canaanite woman's faith is quite amazing. Jesus leaves the place. He goes to the district of Tyre and Sidon and a Canaanite woman. We don't like the Canaanites. The Canaanites caused so many problems when they were coming into the promised land. Never, ever, ever, ever marry a Canaanite. Um, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter's tormented by a demon. But he didn't answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away. She keeps shouting after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. Now, does that sound like something Jesus would say? I was sent only for Israel. All through the scriptures. Is that what he would say? So there's some irony here. And as I read that, that's not what he, he, he knows he was sent for both. He knows he was sent for all, all of Abraham's children. So there's some irony. Maybe he sent to, said to the disciples, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Is that why you're sending her away? I was sent only to you guys? No, he was sent for all Jews and Gentiles. And he answers this woman, it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. That's what he says to her. And she says, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall down from their master's table. And then Jesus answered her, oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly, immediately. This woman, this foreign Canaanite woman from Tyre, a pagan region, is shouting, son of David. She recognizes who he is. My daughter's tormented by a demon. And he says, it's not fair to take the children of Israel's food and throw it to you Canaanite dogs. And she says, oh, but Lord, just a little crumb, just a little crumb that would drop from your table. See how great her faith is? She says, could I just be a dog at your table and just a crumb of you would be more than enough, Lord. He likes her answer. The master's well pleased. Oh, woman, great is your faith. And he heals her daughter instantly. This daughter had a demon. And we know from the pigs going over the cliff, the ultimate battle in the spiritual realm is good and evil, Satan and God. It's a battle. That's the ultimate battle, sin and death. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. God did defeat Satan. Jesus Christ crushed his head on the cross. The ultimate battle is Satan. It always was. It always will be. But Jesus has won the battle, the ultimate battle. We know he has power over demons. We saw it in the Gerasene demoniac in the Decapolis region last week. And now he's gone further north to Caesarea Philippi, up by Tyre and Sidon. Again, pagan territory. And he says to the disciples, who do you say that the Son of Man is? 
Who do people say, excuse me, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Son of Man, curious phrase. We see it in an apocalyptic book, Daniel 7, when Daniel's having a vision, and he says, I saw in the night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven, and he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him, and there he, there he was given dominion and glory and a kingdom and all the peoples and nations and languages, and they all serve his dominion, and it's an everlasting dominion forever, the Son of Man. And so Jesus says to the disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say that he's John the Baptist, and others think he's Elijah. And still others say Jeremiah or maybe one of the other prophets. But Jesus says to them, but who do you say that I am? We all must answer that same question. Who do you say that I am? Who is Jesus in your life? Is he Lord and master over every, every, everything? Jesus is what? Jesus is who? Is Jesus a philosophy? Who do you say that I am? And he said to them, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, which means the anointed one. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Jonah. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. St. Peter and St. Andrew are brothers, and their dad's name is John, not Jonah. Is this a typo? <laughs> is this a typo in the inerrant scripture of God? In John 1, it says, he brought them to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. And now Jesus is calling him Simon, son of Jonah. Hmm, what's going on? Who is Jonah? Not a popular name in the Old Testament. There's only one Jonah that I know of. And it's a great kid's tale. He gets swallowed up by a whale. The kids love it. They love that stuff, you know. It's way more than that. Jonah was a reluctant, even rebellious prophet. But God would be patient, and he would teach Jonah how to obey. Jonah learned and he preached to the Gentiles, to the Ninevites, the Ninevites. Ooh, he despised the Ninevites. And he spared many, 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 many people God's wrath. Now Peter is being called a son of Jonah. He will be reluctant at times, even rebellious at times. But God will be patient with Peter, son of Jonah, and God will teach him. And God will have a way of leading him, this son of Jonah named Peter, to a place where he initially did not want to go. God will trust Peter with a great mission. You are rock, Cephas. And on this rock, I will build my church. This is the church that Jesus himself founded on the rock named Peter. Benedict XVI is pontiff number 266 in an unbroken line of succession from St. Peter, Cephas the Rock, son of Jonah. Lord, 
How can you trust me to build your church? I'm a sinful man. Turn away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Remember when he brought in that haul of fish? The net was breaking. Every pope must think it. Imagine this last pope, age 78, when he was elected. All the bishops get to retire at 70. They can put in for retirement. 78, he probably thinks, oh, I can retire. I can do a lot of writing. I can study. Those folk turns white. You're the next pope, number 266. You're only 78. How will I lead your church, Lord? Peter was the first to identify you are the Messiah, the anointed one. But Peter would also be the one to say not once, not twice, but three times, him? I don't know the man. I don't know the man. But yeah, you do. You were with him. I know you were. We saw you. We saw you with him. Oh, no, 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 no. That wasn't me. I don't know the man. I don't even know the man. And then the cock crowed. And then the tears came. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Bitterly. And even after a bitter weeping, we don't see his physical presence at the foot of the cross. And at the trial of Jesus, that it was heating up, all three synoptic accounts say that Peter followed Christ at a distance. Peter followed Christ at a distance. Peter was following at a distance. Do you ever follow Christ at a distance? That's good. That's far enough. No, 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 no. It's my business. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, that's far, close enough. I'm not all in. Are you kidding me? I go to Mass on Sunday. I'm not all in. I'm following at a distance. It's safer that way. He might ask something of me. If I'm all in. So Peter followed at a distance. It's dangerous to follow at a distance. Mary and John and some of the women were at the foot of the cross, but noticeably, Peter was not there. Maybe later he thought, I should have been there. Why is Peter called a son of Jonah? Peter will learn the hard way, as Jonah did, and many of us do too. Both are reluctant at first, but both will eventually do God's will. Jonah will bring the good news to the Ninevites. Peter will bring the good news to the Jews and Gentiles. Jesus himself calls Peter son of Jonah. Jonah was swallowed up by a great big fish. Peter likes to catch big fish. He's a fisherman, and Jesus tells him that if he follows him, no longer will he be catching fish, but he's going to catch men. Hmm. Intrigues him. Jesus fills up Peter's nets. They're breaking to the point of breaking. After the resurrection, the reinstated Peter hauls aboard a huge haul of fish when the risen Lord again says to put your nets out. 153 net fish, and the nets were not torn after the resurrection. What's that about? 153, you number people. Saint Cyril of Jerusalem says 153 breaks into 100, the great number of the Gentiles to be saved, symbolic of that, and 50, the smaller number of the Jews to come in. And three, the Trinity who saves all, one, five, three. 
Another father, St. Gregory the Great, a pope, says 10 and 7 are perfect numbers. Add them together, that's 17. Take them times 3 for perfection in the faith, 51. Take it times 3 again, the divine number of the Trinity, 153. Interesting. St. Jerome says, oh, no, 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 no. 153 was the number of known species of fish at the time, meaning that all can come into the church. 153 known species. But St. Augustine says that men are saved by Jesus, but they must still obey the Ten Commandments, the moral law. But he gives us a helper with the Holy Spirit, perfection of seven gifts, seven holiness, seven perfection, seven covenant. So 10 commandments plus seven gifts of the Spirit equals 17. And if you just add all the numbers, one plus two plus three plus four plus five up to 17, it equals 153. Jesus calls Peter son of Jonah. Who's the new Jonah? The biggest fish known is the whale who swallowed Jonah. And in Genesis 1.21, in the King James, it says, God created great whales. There's only three things that they use the Hebrew word created. And they are when God created the heaven and the earth, God created man and woman, and God created great whales. I looked, I checked. It indicates a special act of creation. Jonah was a very important prototype, a typology of Christ from the beginning of time in the whale. The great fish that God prepared is a picture of Sheol, the grave, the watery deep. And Jonah's time in the whale's belly was a strong prefigurement of Christ, his death and resurrection, his time in the tomb, the three days. Jonah is spewed from death from the tomb of the whale's belly on the third day. And Jesus said, Jesus himself talks about Jonah. This is not some silly kid story. Jesus says, even as Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, even so must the Son of Man spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jonah is spewed from the jaws of death on the third day. Jesus is spewed from the jaws of death on the third day from the tomb. Jesus is the new Jonah. And Peter's called son of Jonah. If Jonah is spewed from death, would his son also be saved from death? Peter, too, is called son of Jonah. He's spewed from the jaws of death. All adopted sons and daughters who are baptized into his death and resurrection will be spewed from the jaws of death into eternal, everlasting life. Jesus says to the scribes and Pharisees in Matthew 12, no, they want a sign. Give us a sign. Give us a sign. And he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation asked for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. That's all he tells them, that he walks away. What's that mean? For just as Jonah was in the, he tells them, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so for three days and three nights will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. The people of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. Ninevites are going to condemn you Israelites because they repented at the proclamation of Jonah. They, and see, guess what, guys? Something greater than Jonah is here. Me, son of man. That's what he's telling them. Jesus himself says something greater than the prophet Jonah is here. And Jesus calls Peter son of Jonah. I am Jonah, and so are you. I'm going to rise from the dead, and so you too will have everlasting life. Peter, you're a son of Jonah. 
All baptized children will be sons of Jonah. You too will rise from the power of the grave. You too will rise to eternal life from death. Death will have no power over you. That's why Paul can say, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? We're sons of Jonah. Jonah's painted on the earliest catacomb walls, the story of Jonah, that Christians knew. Jesus talked about it himself. How's Jesus a new Jonah? Cyril of Jerusalem, listen to his sermon. When we examine the story of Jonah, great is the force of the resemblance. Jesus was sent to preach repentance. Jonah was also sent, whereas the one fled, not knowing what should come to pass, Jonah, the other, Jesus, came willingly to give repentance unto salvation. Jonah was asleep in the ship. Remember, he was snoring amidst the stormy sea. Jesus also slept inside the ship on the cushion. Both Jesus and Jonah are asleep on the boat. Impending death is threatening. The sea, according to God's providence, began to rise and show the, the, in the sequel, the, in the squell, the might of him who slept. The one Jonah, they said, why are you sleeping? Arise, call on your God that you might save us. But in the other case, they say, Master, Lord, you save us. <laughs> and they said, call upon thy God. Here, they say, say thou. But the one Jonah says, hey, take me, cast me into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you. Jonah's thrown out into the jaws of death, into the watery grave, into the deep. They put one man to death so that they might live. Down, 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 into the, against all odds, into a watery grave. Death swallows him up. The other, Jesus, himself rebuked the winds in the sea. He himself rebukes the winds in the sea, and there's a great calm, the new Jonah. So the old Jonah, they put him to death so that he might, they might live. The new one, the new Jonah, Jesus, they put him to death so that they might live. They put Jesus to death so that God will save them, but they don't know that at the time. But in the prophetic office of the high priest, the high priest Caiaphas knows. One of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said, you know nothing at all. You do not understand. It is better for you to have one man die for the people than to have the whole nation destroyed. He's speaking in the office of high priest. Those are prophetic words. It's better for you to have one man die. He did not know. He didn't say this on his own. But being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was about to die for the nation. And not just the nation only, but to gather into one the dispersed children of God. This one man's death will save the world. Then he says the one Jonah was cast into the whale's belly, but the other one went out on his own accord. He went down where the invisible whale of death is. But the other one, the new Jonah, Jesus, went down on his own accord, freely, on his own will, that death might cast up those whom he had devoured according to that which was written, I will ransom them from the power of the grave, and from the hand of death I will redeem them. So they want a sign, and he says no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. He turns and walks away. The power of Hades has no power over Jonah. The power of Hades has no power over Jesus. And Jesus says to Simon, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. 
Friends, the Catechism of the Catholic Church tells us at paragraph number 552 that Simon Peter holds the first place in the College of the Twelve. Jesus entrusted a unique mission to him. Through a revelation from the Father, Peter had confessed, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Our Lord then declared to him, You are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Christ, the living stone, thus assures his church, built on Peter, of victory over the powers of death. Because of the faith, he confessed, Peter will remain the unshakable rock of the church. His mission will be to keep this faith from every lapse and to strengthen his brothers in it. His bones lay under the altar at St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. When Mass is said there, and heaven and earth kiss on the altar at the moment of transubstantiation outside of time and space, those physical bones of our first Pope are there, as is his eternal soul that is fully alive in the unseen reality of the communion of saints. We can be sure that Peter continually intercedes for the church of which he too gave his entire life. For. Thank you for listening today to this Seeking Truth series. If you sometimes feel unworthy, ask for the intercession of a fellow sinful, redeemed man, St. Peter, a self-proclaimed sinful man who was redeemed and washed to blemish free by the blood of the Lamb. Let the water of baptism and the tears of repentance in that great grace-filled sacrament of confession, wash you as white as snow. And always, always keep seeking truth. You've been listening to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. To hear and or to download this episode, along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. To learn how you can become a participant, either online or in a classroom setting, of the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study, go to SeekingTruth.net. This has been a production of DiscerningHearts.com and the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study. Join us next time for Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.